0: Getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when we can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menudos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. It is Thursday, July 30th, 2020. Um, so excited to be coming to you live from Connecticut. Where Kelsey and I are just taking this place by storm. We are getting this place shaped up. And our studio is almost like where we want it.
1: It looks so good.
0: Very excited. I just put a little drawer unit under the printer so that it can uh, store our paper and things like that that was just in a basket on the floor like things are coming together Uh, our quote of the day you do not need to engage with people this is my favorite quote maybe (laughs) ever guys (laughs) I love that you chose this because I wrote it down to talk to her about
1: that was Jeff.
0: You do not need to engage with people who are committed to misunderstanding you. That comes from our guest today, Dr. Nicole LaPera. Guys, I don't know how we do it, (laughs) but we do outdo ourselves every single day. Today's show, I am so excited for. We are going to be chatting with holistic psychologist, Dr. Nicole LaPera for practical tips on how to heal our inner child and release ourselves from trauma bonding. Now, Jeff, as I'm speaking, I'm thinking <laughs> you need to text Nikki Glazer and tell her she should be listening to this episode yeah. right now because we were talking yesterday with her about healing the inner child. Now mm-hmm. she'll get the actual, like, I'm good at diagnosing. Am I 100% like the best at, you know, okay, well, here are the steps. Maybe not, but Nicole LaPera will be. So let's get her on board for listening to today if you didn't already I definitely will it was during this pre
2: yesterday Maria I was almost laughing at how like perfect (laughs) of a guest she is for this show I was like Nicole if there was like if there was like a Venn diagram bullseye of like the ideal guest she's like is Maria familiar with like shadow work and like inner child like therapy and I'm like okay just just show up tomorrow it's gonna be great
0: yeah well like because I was freaking out when I was reading the research on her And her Instagram is everything, guys, like everything. Mm -hmm. I texted Kevin. I was like, oh, my God, today's guest is amazing. She talks about intergenerational trauma, which um, I'm excited to go even deeper into. She, of course, talks about trauma bonding, which we've already discussed. Kevin and I have trauma bonding. She might tell us today that that's a bad thing and that we (laughs) we
1: need to break up. (laughs) No. I feel like it's
0: kind (laughs) of inconvenient to break up with somebody in COVID, but... (laughs)
1: I'm excited. I'm ex- We even have people in the chat saying they're excited and they've been following her for a while on Instagram. No oh, good. Shout out to Stephanie. Yeah. I'm also thrilled. I'm
0: super psyched. Well, thank you guys, as always, for joining us. If you haven't already, click subscribe. Please do. You'll get alerts for these shows and, um, and then you'll never miss an amazing guest like this. And... In return, we will continue to deliver these amazing guests and this amazing content to you guys. If you could share a review on Apple Podcasts, that would be so killer. We read them. We are so grateful for them. We're trying to get to a 1,000. We're getting closer. Yeah. Um, our subscribers are totally every day Kelsey and I are doing like (laughs) celebration dances we're like 22k 22.1 so um share it with your friends and family anybody you think would uh would like to be on this journey with us to get better um it's it's something that we're really passionate about um experiencing with you but also you know bringing to you so um, join us if you haven't joined us at patreon please do we go really deep there every week and now we're starting these amazing giveaways that you're not going to want to miss so flow living creator alisa vt gave us some amazing giveaways uh that we're going to be announcing on monday also patty penn reiki master to the stars and everybody else uh, she was featured in the Heal documentary she's doing a session for free for one lucky patreon member I'm going to start doing closet giveaways, Mm -hmm. so please join us at Patreon at whatever level you can. Um, Both of these giveaways that I just mentioned are going to be drawn Friday, tomorrow at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And Jeff, are we going to social the winners out, or are we going to announce them on Monday's show?
2: I think I want to get in touch with them first, just to make sure everything's set and get them plugged in, and then we'll announce them. So I think Monday's show would make the most sense.
0: All right. In the meantime, before we get to the interview, uh, we have so much to talk about la earthquake are you okay jeff
1: crazy
2: i'm fine i uh i woke up because i heard something fall and um it was laura's laptop luckily it's what? also fine <laughs> she had it on there like it. Her, her bedside table but um it fell yeah, off it was, huh it was a big one yeah Insane. wow when
1: i told maria this morning my roommate texted me she thought something broke into our apartment in la because the door flew open wild
0: yeah Wild. i called kevin i was like are you guys okay like at five in the morning or whatever because i was up early and he's like yeah he goes the babies were a little nervous he's like the bed <laughs> shook but everybody's okay oh. and so um yeah pretty wild Yeah,
2: 4.2 that's Thank that's God. not nothing
1: small Mm-mm. happy we're I here 4.5
2: is oh 4.5 what- is what you heard I heard 4.5. I think maybe yeah. the epicenter was 4.5 and Oof. then where we got hit was like a 4.2. But yeah, that's definitely...
0: Let's just keep it at that. Not.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep it at that. But yeah, you guys... Exactly. But it is time, 2020, guys.
1: 2020. <laughs> last time there was an LA earthquake. I think it was the last of July, July. It was yeah. big. I was at the Laugh Factory with my sister and the entire place shook and oh, yeah. it was insane. <clears throat> insane. And the poor comic on stage just had to keep going and yeah, it was pretty funny. But glad I wasn't there that mm-hmm. and
0: sadly and I don't know if you guys have the article pulled up first thing I see on Twitter just before I go on the show because I always check to see if there's anything newsworthy to talk about um, and the first dog died of covid mm-hmm. I'm really sad about this um, because I don't want my babies to get covid Look, I didn't
2: realize now.
0: I know it had ca-
1: oh it was a German shepherd German Shepherd. I know.
2: Muddy
0: it's time to make your life a little easier and to help you out i've curated all of my essentials from macy's for you and the whole fam all the details are in the show notes below or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too i have some new picks on there this little bomber jacket this little black dress you're gonna love it Picture of maximus saying rest in peace buddy that's so sad i think we should i
1: think we
0: should too um okay off the sad news onto some (laughs) fun news um Jeff, because he knows we're obsessed with the butterfly stories. If you've been watching the show, you know I found a butterfly on the road the other day and took it for a walk, and legit, she went for a walk. We call her Pearl, and we keep screaming her name in the streets (laughs) of Connecticut, being like, Pearl, Pearl, come back. I got you a house now. Yesterday's walk, it was like, Pearl, I bought you a butterfly house, and now you can live in it and be safe and have an amazing life with us. And we put a banana peel in there and a little banana, and we hung it up, and... Yeah. We did. She hasn't come back to us. We have
1: not seen Pearl yet, but our morning walks consist of like, Pearl, where's our girl? Where's Pearl? (laughs) Every like so often we're like, Pearl, Pearl. Pearl.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But Jeff pulled out this amazing new research out of UC Irvine about butterflies. So... Here goes guys in order to fly butterflies must maintain warmer than average temperatures so they have multiple hearts embedded in their wings. this is crazy to pump butterfly blood to keep them warm. So <clears throat> last night Kelsey and I went outside to stargaze because we wanted to see the meteor shower and PS we saw we saw and we saw I saw the most massive falling shooting mm-hmm. star whatever you want to call it and um, it was awesome but as we were sitting there i was thinking about how magical this world is like everything that's been created from our human bodies and what they do and how everything serves each other and the the ecosystem and 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 the and nature and all of that it's just mind blowing so the fact that Butterflies have multiple hearts embedded in their wings to pump their blood to keep them warm. Crazy. So if you see a butterfly resting and softly flapping its wings, it's basking. It's literally sunbathing so that it can gather enough warmth to be able to take flight again. I mean, hilarious. This is amazing. Butterflies can see a greater range of light than humans. That's really cool. This one made me die laughing. (laughs) Butterflies have eyeballs on their genitals <laughs> to help make mating more efficient and exact.
1: It's brilliant, guys. <laughs> I love butterflies. I, I was think like, it's "Brilliant! <laughs> wow, wow."
0: Pull, Jeff. So, so Jeff's question is: Are we basking enough? Should we be resting to take in the sunshine before we take flight? I'm going to Ooh. say with absolute certainty that we should be basking more vitamin D is very important mm-hmm. um and there's nothing like going out like i go outside in the morning and i like hug the world and i I take in a deep breath and I'm like, oh, thank you, God, for this moment. And I'm just so grateful for the sun mm-hmm. beating down on me and the smells of nature. And it's not just here in Connecticut. I do it in L.A. where we have smog. But anyhow, <laughs> um, I just I think it's so amazing the fact that we can go out and and breathe and I don't know. I agree. So bask people.
1: I mean, we've been going on our little morning walks, right? And. Mm-hmm. Every step, Maria and I both are like Do you smell yeah. that?
0: Oh, I take her on sniffing tours, Jeff. I'm like, Oh my god, sniff this. This is like a berry ish kind of scent, and then we have to look for the flower that like you mm-hmm. know, gives us that scent and
1: She smelled the ocean this morning. I wasn't quite on that bandwagon, but
0: yeah. I have a real powerful yeah. nose.
1: In France, they have noses, right? For their fragrances. So that's your next calling. Yeah, it's called a nose. What do you mean? So people who are incredible at smelling smells, Uh in France, I took a tour one time of Le Fragonard. Okay. And they said, oh, these people study to be noses and they can, yes, they can pull and like detect specific smells. So maybe that's your calling. You should be a nose. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you literally take a tour, and they're like, okay, what do you guys think this is? What do you think this smell is? What do you think? Yeah.
0: I would be so good. Yeah. Guys. It'd be great. I I always was the one that smelled the dead animal under the house. Oh, my God. I, you know what? Kim Kardashian beat me once, though. She was like, I can smell cavities. And I'm like, wow, I That's haven't right. smelled cavities before. That's crazy. Yeah. she's She's got a powerful nose, too. But I always know. Speaking of, we had a death in the family here at the house and I know it's not a popular discussion but just so you know celebrities have mice too (laughs) I'm just kidding (laughs) like a shoe of us us weekly here guys um I was cleaning out the (laughs) vault down here and throwing away just so much stuff we're just reclaiming this property and I'm so excited little by little we're attacking different things or I'm attacking different things Joe's helping me too and so um I threw out like well, I sent to Goodwill tons of like Christmas lights and all kinds of stuff we didn't need, and there was like these little black things on the table, and I was like wiping it down with my hand because I didn't have a napkin. I was just, and then I walk, I walk over and I see little harold a mouse little
1: harold. and he was
0: decomposing Ugh. and his hair was like all around his body it was the weirdest thing and he was the cutest little guy ever look at jeff's face <laughs> i felt so bad for him
1: he was cute he, he really was so cute.
0: cute and he i felt really cute. bad at, i don't know how we got down here we've never had mice but like harold. you know shit happens r.i.p harold yeah so oh, little harold guy. we scooped him up and we took him to his burial
1: we should have a service for him later. Yeah. Cheers to Harold. I'm
0: very impressed. I, I think I'm pretty empathetic.
2: I don't know how I would do seeing a decomposing mouse. No, but... it was
1: sad. I'll
0: send Jeff.
2: you a picture of it. You want to
0: see him? I'll send you the picture. I sent it to Kevin and I was like, oh, little Harold. He really had a rough time. <laughs> Corey, um... I do actually like mice.
1: No, he was cute. Listen,
0: they're all God's creatures. So I'm in. Like, I yeah. just, you know. It... Where I get torn is when there's rats in the house and like you're just yeah. like, I, I mean, how do I how do I get them out without yeah. killing them? Yeah. And so that's a little it different. Is brutal. I wouldn't even kill flies, but lately in LA we were getting so many flies. Mm. I used to catch them and release them. There's just too many. I can't do it. So I started <laughs> swatting the suckers, <laughs> and I feel horrible because I never would kill anything. I would catch and release spiders. Catch and release everything. But
2: yeah. 2020, I'm not surprised there's more flies in LA it's you know we talked about the signs of the apocalypse like insects is one of them so really
0: that's that's why we have so many mosquitoes there by the way we don't have mosquitoes here it's been really nice jeff did you did you look up harold on your text
1: look at harold Jeff he went through no seriously she came upstairs and she was like help 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 and i actually was freaked out for a (laughs) second i was like wait what's wrong and then she took me downstairs, and I was like, "Oh, Harold!" Yeah, yeah when I saw Harold, cute. I kind of screamed. Then I'm like, "Ee, ee!"
0: I had this weird reaction. I was like,
1: "Ee, ee, ee!" Poor little dog. <nug>. It
2: <clears throat> oh, was profoundly upsetting. I- <laughs> the full- <I'm> so <laughs> <absurd>. <laughs> For those on the podcast, oh it, is a- it looks like a pile of ashes that's been burned oh i'm i'm i appreciate you including me in on this i don't think i'm quite on the same page i'm just gonna
1: be I'm honest i'm crying i felt so bad for him. <laughs> looking at the chat people are like ew oh, guys oh now you want to see the pic brandy did you see the pic
2: yeah chef wow,
0: flashed the pic i mean i'll show it again yeah here we go
1: <laughs> poor
2: harold
1: yeah.
0: but if you, if you look at it like up close and like in a good way you, harold's yeah. little face was like no, it, so priceless it really was
1: it reminded me of ratatouille Makes me sad. Um, makes well, me listen, sad.
0: Um, <laughs> enough about <laughs> the mice. Um, let's get to our interview with Dr. Nicole Lapera. She is one of the foremost online voices in emotional wellness with over 2.6, I think I saw 2.7 when I followed her today mm-hmm. on Instagram. She was trained in clinical psychology at Cornell University and the New School and, the, and founded the Mindful Healing Center in Philadelphia. She's the creator of the online movement, Hashtag Self Healers, where people from around the world are joining together in community to take healing into their own hands. Her work addresses the connection between the mind and body and incorporates nutrition, lifestyle, and psychological wellness practices. Dr. LaPera, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Maria.
3: I was just processing Harold on my own. Oh, my God. You keep me I was just taking a moment for Harold because oh. I feel like, you know, yeah. you know. I felt really bad
0: for him. And you guys don't want to hear the rest of the story, do you?
1: We do. I know. No, I can. Oh. I can. all set,
3: thanks. Mm.
0: My dad had, like, a little mouse poisoning in the back, <gasps> so he ate it, and it, like, oh. starves them of water. And I'm really hurt about it in my head. Like, it breaks my heart. Anyhow, moving on. Let's talk about <laughs> butterflies having eyeballs on their vaginas and, you know, <laughs> genitals. Now, um, I'm so excited to talk to you because... Um, oh, man, we were talking with uh, stand-up comedian Nikki Glazer yesterday, and we were talking about, you know, the inner child traumas that kind of plague us in our adult lives and the patterns that continue to repeat. And then, boom, I'm starting to do my research on you, and I'm like, oh, my God, I have to tell her she's going to listen to the episode today because you have the answers on how to heal us. But first, let's let everybody know a little bit about how you got into this, because I think it's fascinating that you were trained as a clinical psychologist at Cornell. And then you were like, yeah, this isn't really helping my patients nor myself. And you started this whole new path. And so I want people to kind of understand a little bit about your journey because it's an important part of your story. Story. Yeah. Story.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was, you know, it, it had its evolution in terms of difficulty too, you know, as a human and and professionally. So on a personal side of things, I'm one of those people, as long as I can remember, I was anxious. I was a little girl, scared of the world, hiding under tables. And for me, I just thought that was part of, you know, who I was and what my life experience was going to be. So in my 20s, I did all the forms of therapy, I was in talk therapy, I was on medication. As long as I can remember, whatever that age it is that people start to get asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? my like inborn fascination with the mind was always directing me to be a psychologist. So for me, it was really an intuitive evolution. And here I'm someone with anxiety. So I need the help of a me. Why not go into the field? Flash forward to a lot of time in training. Many years, I received my clinical my Ph.D. in clinical psychology. I opened up a practice, and just like you introed, I started to see a lot of similarities in my life experience and in my clients, really revolving around one word or one experience, which is stuck. Um, People would come in week after week. We'd have incredibly impactful, insightful sessions where we would know what we're going to do different, my client and I, right? The next time that activating event happens, whether it's in their partnership, in life, we had a plan of action but what i started to realize this was in my own personal life as well i started to realize that i couldn't execute the plan Oof. neither could my clients so week after all
0: right friends let's talk about something we all do snack trust me i've definitely overindulged in the past but as you know i am focused
3: So on a personal side of things around the same time, I descent it into, I think, what a lot of us are now lovingly calling a dark night of the soul, an awakening, where life as I knew it was seemingly starting to feel really vacant in a lot of ways. I had checked a lot of boxes. I had the practice. I was living in a city that I thought I wanted to live in. And yet, I was still stuck like my client. So it was through my own healing, really diving into what for me was new research—was things that were absent in my clinical training. Uh, talking about the science of epigenetics, the fact mm-hmm. that you can change, really empowered me to start to practically find and find my way toward how to integrate changes. Was
0: Dr. So Bruce li- was Bruce Lipton helpful to you in that?
3: Oh, Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, yep. uh, just really, really- I've had powerful, them all on the show. Really oh, powerful, yeah. powerful messages. I'd um, love to have a chat with, with each of them. And they, in my field, coming from a very conventional background, that's new. That was new information. Mm-hmm. We were taught a model of genetic determinism, which really just means you either have that genetic chip or you don't, and that determines- whether it's the physical, you know, illness that you're going to have happen, have expressed or psychological as well. So meeting and hearing this new theory was news. It actually opened the door toward possibility, toward possibility that a future could look and feel different than the past. So they were really, really impactful on my journey. Um, And then it was, you know, how do I harness these tools in my own life Um, at which point I was starting to actually feel better for the first time ever, which empowered me to want to speak the message and then come online. And the Instagram was born.
0: Yeah. So when you think back to those moments, like what were the most important tools and how were you able to apply them to help yourself?
3: Absolutely. The first, the most foundationally important tool, Maria, that I'm always going on and on about is, for many of us developing a new habit of consciousness. Because if you've read, a lot of people might have read um, somewhere upwards of 90, 95% of the day, the percentage changes depending on who you talk to. We are in a state that we lovingly like to call autopilot, Mm -hmm. which means we are kind of running old programming. We are running what I'm coming to realize are Programs that we were modeled, ways of being in the world, how we care for our physical needs, how we care for our emotional needs, how we care for our spiritual needs, we learn tools very early on. And unfortunately, many of us are repeating those same patterns in our adult life and they're not always serving us. So it's really understanding what lives in that autopilot and how impactful that is. And when you begin to observe yourself you you are surprised i was very surprised at how habitual i was how my days in terms of behavior were very much the same i did the same things behaviorally in terms of my habits we're also very habitual in our minds we tend to think the same things we tell ourselves the same stories about ourselves about relationships about our past about our future we're very repetitive if you observe yourself you also tend to realize how stuck we become in feelings. I call it emotional addiction. We tend to have feelings that we revisit time and time again. For me, those predominant feelings were stress and activation. So what we come to realize is when we're in that autopilot, we're living a version of Groundhog's Day. That's why we're stuck. We are endlessly repeating a past from how we're acting to what we're thinking to therefore how we're feeling, and we're not living in that consciousness. So the foundation, in in my opinion, and in my practice, and in my own healing journey, is developing that consciousness, that ability to see that patterning, and then over time to begin to activate new choices.
0: Wow. Okay. I want to know how you develop the new habit, but before we get to that, what is emotional addiction?
3: Absolutely. So what emotional addiction is, is those patterned emotions that we tend to cycle back so a lot of times they are connected to those pattern thoughts that we have, right? So back in time, my very earliest experience were in a family that was perpetually stressed out. Mm-hmm. One of my family mantras that still is, is very evident today in the unit is always something. Mm-hmm. And always something could have been an actual, you know, like a crisis event. I have, I have a chronically ill mother um, and older sibling sister. So it could have been like something was you know, health related always something could have been the mail didn't come on time oh like this was really a cycle of stress so what happened is i got so used to that cycle of stress mm-hmm.
1: right
3: and so that su- stored in my subconscious what happens is i'm living life i am used to my baseline let's think of it like that oh became God. the stress of the activation of stress I wanna remind everyone that when I talk about stress, I'm also talking about the body and the reaction that stress has in the body, which is an increase in a stress hormone called cortisol, which is an increase in adrenaline, which for a lot of us is why our heart rates go up, why we start to feel constricted. So back in time, because that was the cycle I was living, that became my familiar. Mm -hmm. And that familiar is stored in our subconscious. So as I've aged, as I've gotten tools and experiences, right, I started to see a new way of being. I started to see, you know, oh, okay, I can practice meditation and be calm. And, you know, I can start to separate from my thoughts and I can do something different. What happens is, and this happens for all of us, that pull to the familiar is so strong because it's evolutionary based. And what that means is the familiar to our subconscious equals safety. Because we, know, we get to know what comes next, Maria. Even if what comes next isn't pleasant, right? It, it could be an outright negative, even though I don't really like to use positive, negative qualifier, but it could be something that we want to avoid, say. But my mind has learned now, because of the repetition of this happening in the past, that that's what comes next. Mm-hmm. And to my subconscious, which is based, which, which main intention or main drive is to keep us safe, that is preferred, because that's familiar. What we hate as humans is the unfamiliar because that could equal unsafe, something that is actually threatening. So now fast forward, right? I go to employ this new tool such as meditation or you know, say I'm even having a peaceful moment on my couch. This is a perfect illustration of emotional addiction. So I have my baseline of stress and chaos. If you would hear me speak though, what I would tell everyone around me I'm a hippie at heart, Maria. I would say all I want is the throw, throw peace sign. Yes. I just want peace. Leave me alone. Just want to be I was, happy. I, yeah, kumbaya. Right. <laughs> so, however, this is where it gets tricky. Where I, what I started to notice, I'm saying I am having a peaceful moment on my couch, right? Nothing's, nothing's stressful in my environment, or so to, so I think. I would start to feel a discomfort because I wasn't getting my stress. I wasn't used to it. Because you're used Whoa. to the stress. Oh my god,
0: you're talking one of, to me. Yes, one
3: of two things would happen. I would either, I call it my tick, I would start to just feel so agitated. I couldn't even define what I was feeling. Oh my god. And then the next thing you know what would happen? My house would be clean top to bottom. Because I would <laughs> yeah. right, think that I, yeah. would, I would need to be discharging oh my, my energy. <laughs> I had another gift that I would do. If someone happened to be around me, say that someone was my partner. Then I would agitate the relationship. Before I knew it, I would be upset that she didn't put the toothpaste cap back on or, you know what, what you said I didn't really like. And now before you know it, I'm in a stressful conflict with my partner because my drive to that familiar and how unfamiliar the lack there of stress and the hormones related to it, before I knew it, I went right back and I created the situation that I wanted. Drop the friggin' mic.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, wow. I just think about, like, growing up, my dad was um, severe type 1 diabetic, and he almost died on the regular, like, literally on the regular. We were searching for him, calling every hospital, calling every police station, um, knew the fire department by first name, and just that that total panic like I have such a hard time I mean since I had surgery three years ago I've changed a lot but it is still uncomfortable for me to just sit and be I have to work really hard at it because Mm -hmm. my familiar is solving chaos right? Mm -hmm. Saving the day. Like I think I'm superwoman secretly, right? Like I need to save the neighbor. Their gate is open. What if their dog gets out and then the dog gets killed and then I I didn't save the day. So I'm realizing right in this moment, like saving the day, I'd have to tune in to my dad at all times. I'd be in school and I would feel a message like he's not okay. And I would run home and I'd find him on the floor comatose. Well, there I was to save the day, to do anything else it is incredible i love it frizz free up your schedule with way go to the way t-h-e-o-u-a-i.com and enter the promo code Heal squad for 15 percent off any product that's the way t-h-e-o-u-a-i.com promo code heel squad trust me you won't regret it uh, yeah holy shit <laughs> well,
3: part of it what what sounding like happened too which is what a lot of us shift into is we do get hyper tuned yeah. To those mm-hmm. around us, mm-hmm. right? To manage, whether yep. it's their physical health, whether you've had that explosive parent and you get so attuned to their markers of explosivity so that you can protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Many of us, based on childhood experiences that we've had, that I would go ahead and label as traumatic, because I have a much more expanded definition, they do then result in that outward, right? That I'm scanning the environment and I'm almost and this is how I was too. I can very much relate. I this why do you think I became a therapist? Yeah, I got so good, Maria, at being attuned to you. You might be surprised to hear me say I had no connection to myself. Yeah, I couldn't. I wasn't connected to my body. I didn't know its physical needs. I didn't know really how to meet them. Emotions. I mean, listeners might think you know fall off their. Uh, here I am. I was a clinical psychologist, and I couldn't begin to navigate my own emotions or mm-hmm. to make my, help myself to feel better.
0: You didn't have time didn't to. That. Because
3: I was worried about everyone else and I was yeah. so good at putting other people first and it sounds like you I know a lot of us can relate and resonate and again that's a perfect illustration of events in childhood you adapt it to keep yourself safe because when you're a child and you're dependent as we all are as human children we need our caregivers mm-hmm. so you did what you needed to do to keep your father and by proxy you safe in that moment however you held on to it. So now you're the neighbor, right? Scanning the environment on town watch, making sure everyone else is okay, with the question being, what's going on in Maria's home? With the question for me being, what's going on in Nicole's home? And the answer was a whole lot of nothing for Nicole.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, Okay, so you talked about, we're talking about tools. And so number one was creating a new habit of consciousness. What else, what other tools helped you?
3: Absolutely. So the new habit of conscious, first, we have to understand how unconscious we are, right? So, so go, go look, observe, see yourself being very patterned, right? Despite mm-hmm. maybe intentions to do otherwise, and then create the ability to be conscious through meditation, through conscious moments in our day where I check in with my senses, our senses as well as the gratitude practice that can bring our attention from wherever else it was in our subconscious into the given moment. That's what I mean when I say be conscious. So for many of us, because I myself was very disconnected from my conscious state, that takes a lot of time. Once we learn how to be conscious, now we want to harness that. And now we want to expand the practice into something that I call self-observation. We want to start to learn how in real time to observe ourselves, to observe our habits, what we want to spend a lot of time observing is our mental, our internal world. A, we'll notice how thoughts are ever present. We are thinking from the time our eyes open until the time they go into bed, and many of us are thinking throughout our sleep, right? Endless link thinking. So we're spending a lot of time in our minds. And the issue with that is the, the, the narratives, right, back to those repetitive stories I was talking about, they become the filters through which we're viewing all of our experiences which is why Mm -hmm. all of our current life looks very similar to that past because we're viewing it through the lens of that past oh my god so as in real time and we're watching that pull toward that familiar because that's going to be there i want to assure everyone and i'm always the bearer of this bad news (laughs) you're going to listen to this beautiful podcast this conversation you and i are having and your subconscious is still going to tell you what you're going to do next it doesn't click off like a light switch and go away. Mm. So what we need to do is cultivate consciousness at those really pivotal moments. When I want to make a new choice in terms of how I'm acting in the world or in my relationships, this is where a lot of us are very patterned. When I want to make a choice to say, okay, thank you, old narrative. I see you. You're not helpful though now. I can make a choice to redirect my attention to some other thought that is maybe more applicable or more accurate in the current moment. Right? And I also then learn to have a new relationship with my emotions. I learn to see them for what they are. What are they? They're just sensations that are living in our body. A lot of us are living in our mind with our emotions and we're elongating them. And we're, Some of us are living for decades in the emotional fallout of a very real event. I'm not going to invalidate the emotions, though they would have processed already. We would have moved through them. And a lot of us stay stuck in them. So with consciousness comes self-observation, comes choice. And now we get to start to create new choices that over time string together to create a new lifestyle and then perhaps a new future complete with new behaviors, new thoughts, and new feelings.
0: Damn. I'm taking such copious notes here. <laughs> right. um, wow. Wow. So, new habit of consciousness, we're self-observing, real-time observing our internal world. Then we know we have choices to make for our new, new lifestyles and our new life. How long did it take you to get there? And are you still getting there?
3: Ding-ding. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm I'm desperately looking. I used to call it my hammock in the sky where i just... <laughs> proverbial doneness that we're all looking for, completion, ending is, I've yet to find it. Uh, I I believe, jokes aside, healing and living in consciousness is a daily practice. Mm. We don't get get to just, again, switch that that light switch and be locked into a new mode. And that's okay, because you know what? Another state of human that is really difficult for many of us to tolerate, impermanence, which just means it's ever-changing. We're ever-changing and the environment outside of us is ever changing. Mm-hmm. So what we really wanna do, right, is empower ourselves internally with tools and resources to navigate the uncertainty that is implicit in the human experience. So I say that to say, it's more of an active way of living than necessarily a state of doneness. Though so I, like many of us, have been desperately seeking that utopian state of doneness. Yep. I can assure you, that our brain is is called something, and and maybe uh, Dr. Lipton spoke about it, or any listeners have heard, it's called something neuroplastic it's Mm -hmm. referred to, which means it can change, right? Neurons that wire together, fire together, and all that good stuff. So as we begin to practice, we create new programs Mm -hmm. that make it easier, that make things that, you know, for me 10 years ago were not even possible, now just part of my daily, but I still have to be very conscious of myself to navigate the ever-changing world.
0: Yeah, so does your old kind of programming rear its ugly head at times?
3: Oh, on the daily. Okay. This is where we dive into the deeper world. Okay. So I believe that there's a part of our subconscious that program, that computer kind of area that we keep, I keep referring to it as the inner child that shit, is where our <laughs> inner <God>. child lives. <laughs> yeah. And that that there is probably the most difficult com- part of the healing journey.
0: Well, you talk what about in- unparenting?
3: Yeah, reparenting. So a lot of us, so going back in time to that state of dependency that I spoke of. All humans are dependent. We're the the only mammal that quite literally needs someone to take care of us fully. As far as I see it, we have three very general categories of human needs, physical, quite literally keeping the physical organism alive to another day, emotional. We have that complex, like I said, hormones and neurotransmitter, emotion, energetic world. And then we have spiritual, I believe, the uniqueness that is each of us. So back in time, we, we, We're fully dependent on someone else. We as humans are also wired for relationship. So having others and relating to them is very much in in our DNA. And when we're there, when we're in this childhood state, we're learning by everyone around us. Of course, all of our family units look different depending on whom and where we were born, right? But we're taking in and we're learning how to identify and meet our physical needs. We're learning how to identify and meet our emotional needs. And we're learning what of spiritual and how to be just who we are in the world the issue is we're learning from people who learn from someone else and from Mm -hmm. someone else and from someone else and this is where you're talking about earlier the intergenerational component comes in meaning we are limited by what our caregivers know just put it really simple i can't teach someone something that i don't even know i don't know Mm -hmm. so this is very simply how this shifts right So what we learned in childhood becomes the ways that we continue to attempt to meet those three sets of needs, physical, emotional, and spiritual in adulthood. The issue is not all of us got as complete a modeling education in in childhood. Many of us were raised by caregivers who weren't meeting their physical needs or who the ways in which they were teaching us to meet our physical needs don't work for the unique human that we are. Same thing emotionally, I was raised by Parents who were very emotionally uh distanced from me. Again, the only emotion.
0: As a first-time mom of the baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> Bonus. Wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today.
3: Minus the sweet chili. I learned to navigate not well with stress. Mm -hmm. Sadness was not present. Anger was not really present unless it erupted. Mm -hmm. Right spiritually what i mean by spiritual needs and this is why i have a very a much more expanded definition of trauma i believe universally we each have three core spiritual needs we want to be seen mm-hmm. heard and have space to be us to be uniquely expressed and this is where you and kind of being the the savior and the caretaker develops when we don't have that when we're just being us isn't enough we're very attuned and we're very adaptive so we learn how to show up to be enough.
0: Yes, so for you,
3: that was taking care for me, that was performing. I was very just naturally good academically and athletically. So you know what I did? I performed. I went and I became the golden child in my family in that way. Oh but that I was know. Only I did it too right so that's so all of this is you kind of people thinking back and maybe some of us really know kind of what our family was like in childhood maybe some of us don't have many memories i know i don't though if you watch yourself particularly in your relationships you'll begin to see what you were taught in terms of meeting needs in those three areas what i have found overwhelmingly and i include myself in all of this this is why i can speak so readily on this because i've lived it i'm still living it we then have to teach ourselves we have to reparent we have to learn a better way in adulthood Mm -hmm. to meet our needs so in terms of emotionally because i was starting at zero i still am learning i still have those moments maria where i I deal with my emotions in the old way that i used to which for me is dissociating is checking out Mm -hmm. and if i have really limited resources it's being agitated with my partners or with people that i'm close to i still do that yeah because that's the hardest those are the hardest moments to be conscious when we're f- having a feeling that's really big, to choose a new <clears throat> behavior. So the short answer is always. I'm, I'm, I'm so glad over-
0: to hear you say that because I feel like I beat myself up sometimes because I'm like Maria, you had a life-altering moment, you really worked hard to hang on to the lessons, and you know it. Like sometimes it's not there, and I I feel like wait, I learned this lesson, like get back to where you were maria what's wrong with you but and i've i've talked about like the fact that we really need to re-raise ourselves right because our parents like you said are limited to what they knew they did the best that they could with what they had right but as we grow up and we see our limitations in a sense or our kind of like programming that we don't really like <laughs> you know we need to re-raise ourselves and this is why I do this every day because I get to have conversations with people like you where you don't feel alone you don't feel like you're crazy and you can maybe find some aha moments that you can apply to change your life and so I'm I'm happy to hear you say that it's a daily practice because I think it's going to unburden everyone that's listening from thinking that they're supposed to it's like we're all such high achievers right and we just want to like check it off the list this Mm -hmm. isn't something you can just check off the list obviously
3: yeah and that's understandable because usually we're uncomfortable to some degree some of us significantly and we want the quickest path to to feel better I have a virtual membership then every month we cover a a new topic in healing and there's always more or less two steps the first step that how we engage with this new topic um so last month it was creativity the first step is to observe right create just the general concept in our life and then the next step is usually an action-based step to create change in that area and what i consistently observe in myself and in in all the members we don't want step one Mm -hmm. we're not interested we want to go right to step two. Yeah. So what do I do? How do I change? How do I find my, my quickest path to feeling better? And that unfortunately, this, this is why I'm always it is a practice. Step one, being conscious allows step two to be possible. And the reason I'm really happy that, you know, kind of you're feeling a, a version of what I might call relief in hearing this, this is why I explain the body. And all of the ways the body and the body and the mind, this is why I call myself holistic now, the body and the mind connected in the spirit, Mm -hmm. because there are explanations. There was explanations for that stuckness that I was seeing in myself and my clients. And there's explanations for why it's so hard to change. And I know, myself included, a lot of us carry a lot of shame. We feel like we're broken. We feel like something's wrong with us. We take it to mean, oh, yeah, that's evidence that I'm not meant to have this life, this partner, this thing right and we kind of assume the responsibility you know for for it and my goal is to empower the responsibility to change it but to give the understanding for how and why we're seeing the same patterning that we are and obviously then the hope that we we can create a new a new future um but there's reasons why there's very much reasons why we're, we're stuck in the ways that we are
0: yeah how um How do you guide your patients through intergenerational trauma?
3: So that same thing, and it's interesting. I'm happy you asked this on the heels of that because what I find, you know, what we, what we shift and change within gets to be reflective without. So often when we, when we allow space for that self-compassion, right? When we don't just criticize that same pattern, oh yeah, I slipped and I'm back in that old thing I used to do. Right. And when we make space and we can hold compassion for ourselves we can then extend that outward we can then understand that my, our parents were limited they are human too that they are constricted right by what they learned to be true about themselves and the world and then we can understand intergenerational trauma this isn't me trying to argue anyone out of if you have you know a lot of us as we come to awareness about this patterning very understandably We might feel hurt, angry, you know, at our parents or at our caregivers or whomever. Of course, I'm not trying to own those feelings. They're part of what your experience has been and currently is. However, I love the word and. My goal is can we be flexible? And when we're talking about patterning this intergenerational, can we also understand where it's coming from 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 them? Because a lot of us tend to do something different. What we do instead, we personalize it we tend to say, oh, well, it's because I wasn't a good kid or it's because I wasn't lovable enough. Another one we love, I wasn't worthy of something different. And that's really painful. And that's not the reality. The reality is it likely wasn't really about us per se at all. Again, it was about the limitations of our caregivers. So I urge everyone to work with intergenerational you know, trauma or passing on of habits, conditioning patterns, whatever we want to call them, in that way flexibly understand it carries a lot of information especially those of us that know right our kind of extended family We can see kind of how these things some of us very clearly right so that can allow us to be more flexible to honor that that is what has happened to our lineage if you will to be proud as hell if we're the person who's attempting to create change to do something different it's very very difficult and to evolve into that flexible space where i can say yeah that happened my family is stuck in this way might be a painful reality right and it came just year upon year decade upon decade of people just not knowing how to do different yeah so cool um
0: it's funny i did um some uh intergenerational like clearing work have you ever done that before energetic you mean yeah like I I had this guy you know do this kind of like reading and clearing and when he started to talk about the things that happened like you know multiple grandparents away or you know whatever and I I went and checked with my family they were like oh yeah that happened and I was like what actually we should get him on the show Mm -hmm. I didn't even think of that his name is John he's in London like he was like well there were murders on both sides of your family in the villages in Greece and I'm like oh please and then I talked to my parents and like oh yeah actually and I'm like what and then they're Mm -hmm. like there are things that are tied to it like like um crazy anyhow um Child. I I think it is yeah it's 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 a lot to kind of um explore. The other thing that I wanted to talk about was trauma bonding because I had someone point out to me that my husband and I were bonded in trauma. We both had like severe family situations that we were dealing with and um I mean, we've been together for 20, is it 22 years now? A long time. A long ass time. (laughs) Anyway, um, but we were definitely very trauma bonded. And so I want to know more about that and how you help people, um, you know, break free of any trauma bonds that aren't serving them, let's say.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So what I, my definition of trauma bond is, again, a little more expansive. And it really includes our whole patterning of how we relate to another person again you guessed it beginning very early in time with those earliest core relationships and all of those what for many of us were adaptation and compromises right to keep that bond to keep ourselves to the best of our ability getting our needs met in those three areas and because we're very patterned we learn that becomes the model so it starts in our you know our family units we become toddler age or we go off to school. and then before we know it, we're repeating that way of being with our peers. And then we you know we get into romantic relationships. So trauma bonds is the inclusive whole way we show up in relationship with others, with the reality being that it's very much grounded in how we showed up to begin with. So for someone like you and I, right it, it means showing up as that caretaker, as the savior someone else. If you look across all of the different types of relationships you're in, you probably find a little evidence of that. You're Mm -hmm. probably playing somewhat of the same role Mm -hmm. in all of your relationships. My partner and I very much started as a trauma bond as well. There were certain aspects of her and her attachment and how she coped with it that elicited in me, you guessed it, that stress roller coaster that I was used to. Mm. And so for me, that was the type of relationship I was used to, one that was stressful at times, one that was agitated, one that I would feel close in that, because that's how I felt close to my family at home. So I get this question a lot. Can we shift out of trauma bonds? Absolutely. Right? So it's, yes, it's you and your your, your partner, right? You both have lived serious family things. Mm-hmm. Chances are there's a lot of other similarities in your condition patterns and relationship that made relationship at first familiar to you right so what trauma bonding is is the whole way of being we want to observe ourselves in relationships we want to explore how we navigate our needs in relationships how do we get our physical our emotional and our spiritual needs met in our relationships and many of us will come to find it's very conditioned it's very much like what we were shown in childhood so for me i very much continue to show up putting everyone else before me so my work was to evolve the way I relate it in relationships. And they can change, is to start to show up differently. So for me, that was starting to honor my own needs when I had them in my relationships. Wow.
0: <clears throat> so I don't feel as bad having a trauma bond now because I'm like, is she going to tell me that I need to divorce Kevin? Most of us be... most of us do. I'm like, most it could do. be really inconvenient right now during yeah. COVID.
1: <laughs> yeah. Before the show, she's like, oh no, she's going to tell me. <laughs> I'm
0: going to have to get rid of Kevin. Poor Kevin. But you know, it's funny. I think back to when I was young and I was really infatuated with asking like friends, like, would you still be friends with me if something oh. happened to me? If I was deformed or if I, something bad happened to me? I always ask people that question mm. and then, and when I first met Kevin what connected with me really quickly was that he was a caretaker he had taken massage therapy classes to heal his dad of pain his dad had cancer and I was like oh my god you're a caretaker done and I was like I literally said you have no idea but you I'm gonna make you fall in love with me and you're it and that's it and that was it and you know who would know that I, who would have known that I would have needed a caretaker, right? I had major yeah. brain surgery. My mom's yeah. got brain cancer. Like he's been all mm-hmm. of our caretakers. Um, and, and I think like, yeah, I think when I, cause I spent so much time being the caretaker in a sense, I probably just needed to be rescued. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: yeah. Well, what I heard when you asked that question, will you still love me? Yeah. If I'm not your caretaker. Yeah, because for you, you learned to associate love with wow. playing that role. Just like I learned to associate love with playing. Just like all of us learned to some extent to associate love and the version of connection we knew with one part of ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: But even and more not- so, I think it was. I think it was more so the need to be perfect. Right. Because my family was like, what is everyone going to think? What is everyone going to say? And you got to, you got to wear the perfect dress and you got to. And so, if I wasn't going to be perfect for you, would you still love me? That's what I think it was more for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I used to ask my friends all the time and I'm like just thinking about that right now. And it's just interesting.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, that's that's a perfect example. So, listeners, right? Go observe the things that come out of our mouth and the things that we say to ourselves in our head aren't coincidental they're very much grounded in experiences we had in meanings that were either made for us or we made of our own experiences and then we just become very very repetitive and very stuck and rigid in them yeah
0: you talk about how the the negative emotions that we feel are so closely tied to our personal health and it's funny I feel like I have these moments where I'm like oh, you have like stomach issues? Like, okay, so yeah, when was your mom diagnosed with cancer? And like, I did that with Kelsey and she was like,
3: oh my God, I didn't even
0: think of that. Like, (sighs) I'm so connected. So tell me a little bit about how you approach that with your patients.
3: Yeah, I I think most physical symptoms, obviously most stuck emotions, cyclical thoughts are coming from somewhere. So Mm -hmm. I define holistic, I think, you know, kind of as two concepts, mind, body, soul, the interconnection. And the 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 origin, like what is the original source? And I like to question and wonder that. Because I think what a lot of us are doing is we're seeing the symptoms of an original kind of deeper driving imbalance, typically, in one area, physically, emotionally, or, or spiritually. Um, So I think that I urge us all to understand, you know, what it is that's driving it. And so for many of us, that is something maybe that did happen, patterns that did originate very early on in life. And then instead of just, I call it the Band-Aid approach, instead of just trying to kind of Band-Aid the symptoms, which we're very good at as a society. I really urge us all to do those deeper explanations that you were urging, Kelsey, like Mm -hmm. what is driving it? What is that Mm -hmm. deepest wound or the conflict that's coming up for you that might be producing? Some of us do have physical symptoms. What part of my dark night of the soul, Maria, I started to faint. I had never started. I had never fainted ever. I never had a fainting experience. And over the course of a six month period, I took up fainting. I just started to faint left and right. I started to have weird cognitive things start to happen. Was your body just saying,
0: stop it. it I'm so stressed out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. My nervous system was going into full shutdown because what I came to realize is part of my emotional addiction, my stress-based experience I was living with a hyperactive fight or flight nervous system. My nervous system was activated at all times, Yep, which is why you heard me describe myself earlier as on edge, Mm -hmm. as waiting Mm -hmm. for the next shoe to drop, as losing my shit when the mail didn't come on time, you know, because when you're waiting and you're so hypervigilant, it's such small things that shift us. So physical symptoms, again, cyclical emotions, cyclical thoughts, That's not our resting state. And if those are there, I urge listeners to take the holistic approach and try to understand what's driving them as opposed to just putting the bandaid over them.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's man, it's crazy because we all have and I think women even more specifically because we are like such warriors and we're nurturers and all of that. Um, We are the ones that are in fight or flight so much. That's why we're, we have more autoimmune disease in our, you know, you know, gender. Um, But I know I've lived in fight or flight. I know there's no coincidence why my mom and I both got brain tumors, right? We both lived in fight or flight our whole lives. And so yours manifested as fainting and cognitive. Ours manifested in brain tumors because we were just constantly stressed and thinking and thinking and trying to tune in and worried and, but everybody's got a different thing, right? Like for me, you know, it was a lot of physical, like I was afraid physically because of, you know, different abusive scenarios that I was dealing with. And, you know, and then it was my dad and we're wondering, is he going to be dead or alive today? And, you know, those that's a lot mm-hmm. on a body. And then because the patterns, we don't realize it until, you know, we wake up at some point and get a brain tumor. Holy shit, I've been doing this all wrong. And why have I been having the same patterns at work what people don't realize is if you're continuing to get that shitty boss or that shitty situation it's because it's your parents now like but in the workforce like your family just gets transported Mm -hmm. and now you have that family dynamic
3: at work yeah right and this is why you get so locked in it because you're accurate when you say you know i have shitty relationships or shitty things happen to me you're not wrong. Yeah, so you're because just getting abused at work because you're, you're used right.
0: to, yeah, you're used to getting abused at home. So then you get abused at work and you're like, why? Do I have a sign on me that says kick me? <laughs> but really the energy you're putting out is you're saying it's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have boundaries. You can take advantage. Mm-hmm. You can do all of this stuff and I'm just going to keep taking it. Am I wrong? Yeah,
3: absolutely. That's exactly why what happens. And then it's hard to refute. When you do look around and you start to say, you know, like this life is throwing lemons at me, you're not wrong. It is you. That is the reality you are stuck in. So I'm here to offer people that there is an explanation for this reality. It's based in our earliest of experience that continue to color our current one and then to just hopefully open the door toward the possibility to create a new future. And I'm I'm the living embodiment of that. If you would have spoken to me a decade ago, the beliefs that I was soldered into that I thought I knew exactly who I was and what I was capable of, and I started to realize they were all I used to like argue for were my limitations because I believed it, because I watched them in life. And until I began to heal, until I began to become conscious, until I began to own what was mine and create a new future based more on attunement to myself. I didn't embody new beliefs, it took a lot of time. Now I can surely tell you that 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 person I was a decade ago might as well have been a different human in so many ways, which is why I'm so impassioned about getting these tools out there to anyone and everyone who who can benefit from them. Because the change I've experienced in my life was, I I never imagined, I I, I, I thought I knew, I thought I knew my lane. And I knew the things that I would be capable of and the things that I wanted. And I turned that on its head. And I believe anyone can do that.
0: I love it. We just talked about limiting beliefs. We did a whole mm-hmm. episode on it on our Patreon. Um, that's out what, tomorrow? Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Saturday. Um, but yeah, I think what you're doing is incredible. And I know that we're going to have to do a lot more episodes mm-hmm. with you. Um <laughs> I'm because I
3: love to talk about this stuff. So. I, no,
0: you're so eloquent. By the mm-hmm. way, you're so good at explaining it. And by the way, if you're not following her on Instagram, um, you must. We'll put the link in uh, the description. I I was just one after the other. I was like, holy shit! Oh <laughs> my god! Oh my god! So many like crazy, unbelievable like breakthrough moments. And so um, I'm a huge fan. And I'm grateful that you took the time to share all of this with us. And, um, and you know, we'll have you on again. And I, I want to talk about, well, maybe one last thing. Oh, shit. I have to get this <laughs> last thing. Future self-journaling.
1: Ooh, last yes, thing.
0: Yes.
3: Have to do it today. Awesome. Well, so that, I'm happy you ended on that. Because that's actually a tool as not being a journaler myself, you know, kind of your diary how I'm feeling. In my healing journey, I created a very intentional way uh, to build in a daily habit of journaling to help create that new future. So I have free free daily journaling prompts, um, future self journal prompts. If you sign up for the email list on my website, your holistic psychologist. And so it's a practice each and every day of drawing to mind an intention to create change where we're really harnessing the fact that our brain can change and the fact that if we start to write and be and speak as if the change has already happened, we can create a scenario of mental rehearsal, actually amplifying the chances that we keep those promises throughout our day, that we do build, whether you're like me and the first habit you're going to create when you, after listening to this show is consciousness. Mm-hmm. For weeks and months upon end, every day, I use this journal prompt to create a habit of consciousness mm-hmm. and I practice and I practice and I practice and I practice and then I create a change. So anyone who's interested, um, free journal prompts, sign up for the email list on my website and that will come right to your inbox. And I think it's an incredible tool that helps create change
0: oh we have so much homework this weekend
3: um i already signed up for it
1: i can't so we had um, i
0: so excited <laughs> we have this amazing um woman alisa vt she's mm-hmm. um a female biohacking expert who cured herself of pcos and has the answers to everything female hormonal and it's unbelievable so we have like all of her work to yep. do we've your work to do um for people who want to take your virtual events is that all on your website as well
3: Yeah, so if you go to my Instagram as well, the.holistic.psychologist, I have a link tree. It's currently closed for enrollment because behind the scenes, very excitedly, we are creating a new website to house the membership and all of the content and all of that. So we're thinking probably in the next couple months that will reopen. So the Instagram is the main hub. You come see me heal every day. I put out helpful content. And then I'll always keeping everyone posted with when that next round of members opens up, probably in the next couple months.
0: I love it. I think um, we should offline talk to um you about doing like a weekly something or other we yeah. do a weekly good news movement mm-hmm. um segment we're
1: working on a women's
0: and one. and maybe we do something with you because i think it'll be so good and yeah. then we have another one too that we're working on so all right we're gonna figure that out yep. um dr nicole laperna thank you
3: so much Thank you so much, Maria, for having the chat with me and sharing your audience. I really, really appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Well, we will be chatting again. We're going to talk shadow work, all kinds of stuff. I mean, yes, I have pages I of stuff it. we didn't get to, <laughs> but I have pages of notes for myself, mm-hmm. um, so I'm really excited to to start working on some of this stuff. Thank you so much. Have an awesome day. Of course. Thank you. You too. You I Woo! Come on, guys.
1: How do we top ourselves I every day? I was just going to say, we have been very consistent with Incredible, like incredible guests. And just the thing I'm so stunned by is how
2: they just weave in and out. It's like I this know. lesson that we didn't quite finish yesterday. Tomorrow's guest will button it up for you. You know.
0: Yeah, she's amazing. I, I got chills a couple times. Her, 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 um, her tone or demeanor, mm-hmm. the way she expresses it, mm-hmm. it's like. It's so calm and and easy to digest and take in and so yeah. I am super excited. That was awesome. I feel like so alive after this show every I know. day. I'm Me always too. like, "Yes." Me too. But I do feel less guilty now because I do beat myself up a little bit when you know, I'm not I'm not where I was or mm-hmm. I, I falter a little or whatever. So now I'm I'm going to remember it is a daily practice, Maria. It is. And so um, I'm really excited. And this is our
1: daily practice. I mean. Yeah. Hello. I know. Hello. This is what we do. We get better
0: together, guys. Uh, If you want to follow her on Instagram, of course, it's at the holistic psychologist. We'll put that in um, the description. Of course, she has her journaling ebook for free, like she said, on our website. And. Uh, so much more. Thank you guys as always for joining us and we'll have more amazing content for you. Oh, tomorrow actually, the author of The Plant Paradox, Dr. Stephen Gundry is going to be on. It's a uh, an archive poll that we decided to, um, to bring up for you guys. He's incredible talking about the hidden dangers in healthy foods that mm. cause disease and weight gain, so you're not going to want to miss that. And if you like today's episode, you should check out our episode on shadow work with Kelly Cossau. It recently re-aired on June 16th. She's amazing as well. And um, I think you'll really enjoy it. In the meantime, follow us at Maria Menunos, at The Holistic Psychologist, at Jeffrey Crane Graham, at Kelsmeyer2. And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present.